Please, Hashem, Parshas Vayeshev. I'd like to, uh, oh, welcome, welcome. I'd like to point out this week, Beis Hashem, a very, very simple idea. Because I've said this many times, it's often the simple ones that are the best, that are the most penetrating, life-changing to our lives, Beis Hashem. And I think this week, there's no exception. I just want to point out something so simple. And I assume that most of you, when you went through the parasha, or as you go through the parasha, will notice this aura. And I just want to highlight it for you. So towards the end of the parasha, in Perik Mem, we know what happens. Yosef HaTzadik, the Eilige Yosef HaTzadik, that we've been following this parasha last week already, finds himself in a very hopeless situation. He's been in prison for 10 years. There's no prospect of being freed in any way, shape or form. And the Torah tells us as follows. And I want to point out a very underrated Pasuk. It's a Pasuk, maybe two Pasukim, very underrated. And I want to highlight it for this week. Because again, I really believe that this is something that we have to live with. So here the Torah tells us in Perik Mem, we've got the Sar Hatabochim. And we've got Sarah Oifim that have been also placed in the very same prison that Yosef Atzadik finds himself in. And as the Torah tells us in Pasuk, hey, Vayachnumu Chaloim Shneim. They have a dream. All about the dreams. And these two had dreams. Ish Chaloim Rebelayla Echod. Ish Kifisroin Chaloim Rebelayla Echod. Listen to this, Rabbi Say. Again. I'm just, this is, uh, my, my, my shtickle this week is Poshet Art Scroll on the Psukim. Nothing more than that. Yosef, Yosef comes to them in the morning. Listen carefully. As Rashi explains, they were a little bit upset. You saw on their face, they were a little bit upset. Something was bothering them. And Yosef had started noticed it. Everything okay? What's the matter? Everything okay? You look a little bit upset. You look like something's bothering you. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do you realize that what we just read now was the beginning of the success of Yosef HaTzadik which led to where he eventually got to in Mitzrayim, which led to Yaakov Avinu coming down, getting food, being fed, that led to everything, because of what happened just now. Unbelievable. This was this Tupzokin that we just read. Pasuk Bob, Pasuk Zayn, was the turning point in Klal Yisrael. And people didn't even notice it. Because he interpreted the dreams, they told him, oh, we're looking upset because we had these dreams. Sure, tell me all about it. So he told him the dreams. Yosef HaTzadik, as we know, we learned this as kids, interpreted the dreams. They were so impressed. And then when Pari finally had his dream and wondered who could interpret it, they brought out them who said, we can't do it, but there's a guy, there's a Jew over there who can do it. And that's how Yosef came out of prison. And that's how Yosef became second in command. And that was the turning point of Klal Yisrael. And I want to go back once more again. Rabbi Yisrael, I'm going to read it again. I hope you don't mind. Ba Yovoy Aleim Yosef Babaiken. 
Yosef came to them by Yar Oisom Vihinam Zoyafim, and he saw and he noticed that they were upset. But Yishal and he said, Is everything okay? Now you could turn around to me and say, Alright, nice, big deal. No, Yosef had Sadiq realizes that they were in such a situation. No, what's the big deal? But I'll tell you, it is a big deal. I'll tell you, it is a very, very big deal. You know, t- take a step back, and I often say this when you're learning the parasha. It's good to take a step back and look at it from more of a general view and see what's going on. You have to understand what's going on over here. Yosef Hatzadik was living in the most appalling conditions for 10 years. We're not talking about a couple of months. We're not talking about a few years. We're talking about 10 whole years that Yosef Hatzadik is in there with no realistic plan of ever being freed. Yosef HaTzadik, I think we could say, has every right to be totally self-centered and looking at himself and not looking at what's going on around him and totally engrossed in his own situation. And not to notice how there are two guys over there who are looking a little bit upset. More than that, step further. Chazal tell us that Yosef was assigned to serve these ministers. Now these were big ministers in Mitzrayim. These were Hashiva people. Servants of Parai, king of the world. And here these ministers were put into prison. Yosef was in charge of serving them. Could you imagine these big Balgaivas in the prison over there? And this Jew boy is, you know, their waiter. I can't imagine they treated him with the utmost respect. Probably not. Safe to assume such a thing, right? And here Yosef at Sadiq, who could turn away from them, he overcame all of that. His whole situation to the last 10 years, and he saw, Oh, is everything okay? I see that something's wrong with you. I see that you, you're not feeling well. You're, you're not looking so good. You're looking a little bit upset. Is everything okay? Rabbi said, This was the turning point of Klali's role. Write this. The fact that Yosef had Sadiq noticed somebody else, and he had every right not to, and he still noticed somebody else, was the turning point of Klali's role. You know, we have a very big temptation in our own lives. We're absorbed in our own lives. Everyone's busy, Baruch Hashem. Everyone has their own lives and they have their own upbringing and their own environment and their own temptations and their own situations. Everyone's busy. And we're very absorbed in our own little bubble of ourselves. Little do we realize sometimes, and we fail to realize and recognize what's going on in somebody else's life and the needs that other people, some people require. And sometimes what we have to do is it requires us to step out of our own world and enter somebody else's world. And that's what I think is going on in this week's parasha. And that is why I think the Torah is telling us in such an amazing but very subtle way that the turning point of Klali saw that Yosef recognized that someone needed something. I'll bring you a proof. I want to take you back so last week's parasha, parasha is by Yishlach. Perek Lamed Gimel, Pasuk Yudzayin. Yaakov had just met his brother Esau. He leaves his brother Esau. And the Torah tells us as follows. V'yakov nosa sukoisa, v'yivin loy bais. He builds a house. Ulemiknehu, he had a bunch of animals as well. What did he do with them? Osa sukois. He builds some kind of booths. Al-Kain, therefore, Koreshem HaMokim Sukais. What an... You know what? I don't know if you ever noticed this in last week's parasha. 
It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Here is an unbelievable situation. You've got Yaakov Avinu, who left his brother Esau, who builds himself a house. He builds his animals some kind of booth. And therefore, he calls the place Sukkot's boots because of what he built for his animals. How much, how much sense does that make? There's a very important lesson to be learned by this Pasuk. And I saw this lesson, B'Shem Rebbe Nachem, of Zadzal, unbelievable lesson. He says, the Pasuk like this, listen to this, this is unbelievable. He says, the Pashtus is, is Yaakov Avinu should have called the place what? Bias! Because he built himself a house. Because at the end of the day, what was the Ikka, the Chayu in his life, was what he built himself, not what he built his animals. But why is the Torah, who is teaching us lessons for our lives, for all generations, tells us that no, he called it Sukkos. Because the lesson is that sometimes, and I think Yaakov Avinu understood this, that the Torah is teaching us that sometimes a person has to worry more about other people than he has to worry about himself. And even if that person isn't his Rebbe, isn't a Tzaddik, isn't a Godel, it's Mikneu. It's people lower than him. People that are not as Geshmak as him. People that are not on the same level as him. Even those people. Yaakov Avinu called the place Sukkos because he understood what was more Choshev than what he built for someone else, even an animal, more than what he built for himself. That's what the Torah is teaching us with this. So there's a Gemara in Yuma of Ayn Heim and Aleph, where the Gemara says, ish. What happens if a person has a daigi, has a worry? And many people have worries. Many people have things that bother them. The Gemara gives an Eitzah. What do you do? The Gemara says very clearly, Tell it to somebody else. Because if you tell it to somebody else, that automatically helps you. It helps you. Not only that, maybe he can help you, maybe he can't help you. But if you tell it to somebody else, then somebody else absorbs your pain, absorbs your needs. That automatically can help you. The Emes the Gerarebbe once said, Pshat Neposek, which is, happens to be in this week's Parashah Lamed Zayin, Posek Chof Aleph, where the Posek tells us, that Yishma Ruvain, we all know what happened. They made, they made him Chayiv Misa. And then Ruvain came along and said, no, don't kill him, throw him in a pit, and we all know what happened. Says the Ger Rebbe, the Imreyem is Pshat. When the Posek says, Vayishma Ruvain, Vayatzileu Miyodom. Listen to the Imreyem Listen to the Ger Rebbe. He says, sometimes, just by hearing somebody else, you can save him. Vayishma Ruvain Miyatzileu Miyodom. Just by hearing somebody else. Understanding where someone else is coming from. Listening to, not hearing necessarily. I said it wrong. Not, not, not hearing listening to somebody else. Listening in a real way. The Beis Avram from Slonim once explained Pshat when it says, You know what that means? That means with your person's maimah, with his piv, he can but you have to listen. You have to understand. And that's something which the Torah over here in this week's poucher is teaching us in an amazing way. Rebaran Cutler's Zatzal was leaving America and he was going to Eretz Yisrael together with his son Reb Shnir. they were going to Eretz Yisrael with Reb Shnir's Chasana and they went to go to Reb Aaron's father-in-law the Heidi Reb Zalman they went to say goodbye to Reb Zalman Reb Aaron's father-in-law were parting we're leaving America we're going to Eretz Yisrael what an amazing thing 
and Rebbe Sezalman gave them brachas. And as they were walking out the house, they expected the Zayda Rebbe Sezalman to walk them and escort them down the staircase out to the taxi. And Rebbe Sezalman stopped by the entrance of his apartment. And he wished them goodbye from there. And they're like, you want to walk us a little bit more, see us off. That's normally how people do things. And Rebbe Sezalman says something unbelievable. Says something unbelievable. He explained, he said, many people who live around here, unfortunately, they don't have their children and their grandchildren. They were n- murdered by the Nazis in Makhshimam. How could I go down and cause them tsar by wishing my children and my grandchildren goodbye? Basimcha Rabba, look what I have over here. They don't have that. I can't cause them that tsar. When a godl understands the sensitivity to somebody else, he hears someone else. He understands because he listens to somebody else. He understands where someone else is coming from. That's what the parish is teaching us. And who better to learn from than Rabbi Shaul Salanta, Rabbi Shaul Salanta, what he did to the Muslim movement, what he did to us, what he did to Kalal Yisrael, by introducing Musa, was an incredible thing. Rabbi Shaul Salanta wasn't someone that just told people what to do. He lived it. I want to tell you Mordecai In the city of Kovna, the city of Kovna is a very, very poor city. It produced some of the finest Tamidei Chachomim in the Doilim that we own. But it was a very poor place. Rabbi Shaul Salanta was there and there was a place called the Hektish. The Hektish was a place that all the beggars in town had nowhere to go and they slept there. A place called the Hektish. It was like some kind of hostel, I guess. That's where they slept. The conditions that this this, this hostel worked was in terrible condition. There were holes in the ceiling. All the windows were smashed. You can imagine in the cold, the air was coming in. The rain came in. The mattresses were full of all bugs. and It it was a disgusting place to be. And if you saw Salanta at one point, heard about it. And he was upset. Why is no one doing anything about it? So he didn't do the obvious of making an appeal or maybe nowadays making some kind of charity and we'll figure it out, we'll fix it up. No, no, no. You know what Rabbi Shaul Salanta did? He did something that I'm not sure many of us would do. He took his svarim and he told his gabarim, I'm going. And they said, where are you going? I'm going to the hektish. You're going to the hektish? What are you Give him chizuk, give him a shmooz. No, no, just follow me. And he goes to the hectic and he enters this place. The smell is disgusting. There's rats going everywhere. It's, it's the most disgusting place to be. But he realized that these are people, these are human beings, these are yidden that require something better than that. And until we feel their pain, we don't understand where they're coming from. Bishon Salanta sat himself in the middle of the room and started opening a safer. So the people around thought, oh, the rovs come in, they all stood up, we're covered, the rovs come to visit us, he's giving us a schmooze, he's sharing our pain a moment. They think it'll go in a few minutes, right? That's how generally there it goes with Rabbanim. They walk in, they walk out. Rishon Salanta said, I'm not going anywhere. I said, well, Rebbe, what's going on? We have to fix this place up. All right, Masayda, come. It's okay, we'll figure it out. No, no, I'm staying right here. Hour, turn to hour, turn to hour. It started raining. And the rain started coming in. It started making you... And they begged him, please leave. And the Askonim from the city came in. Saying, Rebbe, Rebbe, what can we do? What can we do? What will make you leave? And he said very simple, the only thing that will make me leave is a guarantee that we're going to start re- repairing this place. I'm not leaving until we make this place as comfortable as we would want to be in ourselves. Rabbi Salanta understood another yid's pain. 
He understood where someone else was coming from. He looked at what can I do for somebody else. And it's so easy for us to live in our own bubble. To live in our own lives, absorbed in our own lives. And we might rightly be so. Like Yosef was. But he still looked and noticed that someone needed something. And that's an amazing thing. I want to tell you over an Amodika Rabbi Rucham. Rabbi Rucham writes, Das Chachma Musa, tremendous Yesoid. He says the concept, he talks about a Yesoid, that means you carry a burden with your friend, along with your friend. And he says, you know, often we hear about someone who's sick, someone who's not well, someone that needs a Yeshua, someone that needs a Shidduch, someone that needs a child, someone that needs a Rafur Shalema. And we daven, Baruch Hashem, we get and we daven, we open up our Tehillim, maybe. We open up our Siddha, same time with anyway, Dabli Milchas, it didn't take too much effort to do that. And we daven for that person. That's it. And we're, we're very comfortable to close the Tehillim, and close the Siddha, and go and eat lunch. We have no problem. It doesn't bother us. No, well, we say Tehillim, and we'll daven for that person, we'll be misfallow. Say Rabbi Rucham HaGavaldik Yisait. He said, imagine... If a person lends someone else a thousand dollars, that's his marshal. Who needs to pay that person back? Theoretically, the person that borrowed it. But if somebody else would come, would that make it easier on the person that borrowed it? Of course. Someone else said, I'm chipping in a hundred dollars. Now he only owes nine hundred. Said Rabbi Rucham, it's the same thing. The same thing is that if someone that you know, or someone that you don't know, we're not living in it, we're living in a generation, unfortunately, where we don't have to look far for all the tsaris. If someone said, Rabbi Rucham, that you know, or that you heard about, needs something, what you need to do is, feel his pain. And then automatically it gets less for him. If you really feel it. Not lip service, but really feel it. That's what it means to think about somebody else. I just want to share one last Gavaldiga story with you. Which happened with my own, my own wife who's driving just on this street over here. And she was looking for a parking space. So looking at a parking space over here. Anyone that comes from Brooklyn understands exactly what I'm talking about. It's incredible. To find a parking space is very difficult. And you can go up and you can go down and you can go round and you can keep looking. And it's not easy to find. And it was a rainy day and it was a cold day. And I want to tell you a story which is not even some earth shattering story. It's like a regular story that just happens probably every day I hope. But it's a story that we have to notice. And as she was driving up, she saw an older Hasidish gentleman who was then he was pointing at her what, what do you want from me what, what? and she realized that there was a space that became available there and he was holding that space she, so he saw that she was going round and around and he saved the space and she said isn't that an amazing thing somebody went out of their own it was cold it was raining I need to go home I have what to do right? we're all busy who has time for somebody else but he took the few minutes, maybe a few seconds, a few minutes out of his own personal, busy schedule and thought about somebody else. Yosef HaTzadik Raboisai changed the course of Klal Yisrael because in this week the Pesach says he noticed that someone was down. He noticed that someone needed something and he acted upon it. Raboisai, go deep inside yourself and think how would we react if we saw somebody else that needed something, if we saw someone was down, would we go up to him and say, hey, is everything okay? Would we smile at someone? Would we do what we can do more than just open up a siddur and a tehillim to really help someone? Because that's what Yosef HaTzadik tells us in this week's parasha. 
And that's what changed the course of Klal Yisrael. Rabbi Sai, we should be Zoycha to absorb and to live this lesson, which is a lesson of life which I really believe can help you in your entire life. Because if you learn this lesson, you'll learn the sensitivity of what someone else is going through. And ultimately, as we see in this week's parasha, it also saves us as well. Thank you, Rabbi Sai.